Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. At Blackfoot Communications, we're experts at keeping your business technology up and running. From networks and security to communications and 24-7 support, we evaluate your current state infrastructure and deploy the right technology solution for your future. Whether your company is just starting out or is looking to take the next step, Blackfoot is here to help. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash business to learn more. From the Kurtz Polaris studio, here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanez. Welcome back. Hour number two. Happy to be with you. If you missed anything in hour number one, shame on you. No, no just kidding with you, you know? We're happy to have you now. But if you'd like to listen to the first hour, check it out on the podcast. The Tutel Nuanez podcast available wherever you get your podcast. On all of your favorite podcasting platforms, it is available thanks to our friends at Alpine Touch and Blackfoot. Uh, if you want to call, 361-3688 is the phone number. All guests join us via the Rankage Brothers RV phone line. It is time now for our ESPN Roundtable. We do this in the uh, 5 o'clock hour every Wednesday. It is uh, brought to us by Paradise Falls. And this week, we uh, we went very long. And so we've actually split this in half. And we're going to do half today and half tomorrow. Uh, but our guest this week in the ESPN Roundtable is Robert Chase. Robert Chase is the program director and uh, DJ of the morning show on the trail, 103.3, our sister station. He is a longstanding friend. And uh, the reason that he is on this week's ESPN Roundtable, I'm glad you asked why, uh, is because of his depth of music knowledge. And because our friend Robert is a uh, lifelong ardent Cardinal fan who was living in Chicago, working on a rock radio station in Chicago, Illinois, uh, for quite a while, but specifically in 1998. 
And uh, with the uh, release of Long Gone Summer, uh, the uh, documentary covering Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire and their chase to hit 61 home runs, or 62 as it, wa- uh, as it were, um, then uh, we thought, well, what better guy to have on than Robert, who was there going to games, regularly going to games, paying attention to baseball, and living in Chicago when this all you know, just erupted in 1998. So we'll have the first part of the conversation here now and the second part to uh, tomorrow. This is a really fun, entertaining conversation, so please enjoy. Welcome in to the ESPN Roundtable, and boys and girls, this is a special, special edition of the ESPN Roundtable for Coulter and myself. We get to invite in... It sure is. Yes, one of our very dear friends who uh, is just going to start right off by banging papers around into the microphone. Uh, I mean, he's the veteran It's a, it's a rectangle. It's not really I mean, a round table. Yeah. Let's let's be honest here, though. I mean, you're a philosopher. I'm yeah. just a newspaper guy. Yeah. He's the actual radio guy. He's he can do whatever radio. the hell he wants. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, we are happy to be joined by our friend Robert Chase. Who Howdy. is the program director, uh, director on our sister station and flagship station, if I do say so, the Trail 103.3. He also is uh, the diehardiest of St. Louis Cardinal fans Hello. and St. Louis sports in general. Also though interestingly lived in chicago for many years doing radio where did you do radio in chicago what what uh station q101 q101 rock rock chicago rock alternative rock station okay what years were you there robert (sighs) moved to chicago from grand rapids michigan yeah halloween of 92 uh started at q101 in january of 93 Okay. Now, let's. there's several things at play here. First of all, why are you on the ESPN roundtable with us? Why has your career culminated to this moment? And the answer... I've earned enough points. You're right. That's right. Enough stars on, on your badge. But the, uh, the 30 for 30 that just aired Sunday night on ESPN, Long Gone Summer, yeah. uh, featuring... Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. Mm-hmm. I'm a Cubs fan. You're a Cardinals fan. You and I have had a uh, an annual bet, which has basically gone your way on unfulfilled. Now, f- once fulfilled, right? Do I owe you two? Do I have, have I never set up and paid you your your debts? Didn't, didn't you win the first one? That's right. I won the first one. So you I paid, paid up. Yeah, you did. You bought me you lunch. You are in the hole twice. Two. two. Yeah. Yeah. So we have an annual bet on Cubs versus Cardinals head to head for the season. Yeah. And I think the Cardinals won. Were like nine and eight against the Cubs last year or whatever. So I owe yeah. you some beers. I owe you some pool. Sure do. And we will get to it. Uh, but also, you are the biggest Cardinals fan that I know, but you are also, you know, not merely a fan, but somebody who has a great history of the game and the club in general. But also, you were living in Chicago in 1998 when everything, when this yeah. whole deal, deal was going off. And you, you've you been actually to more Cubs games in Wrigley than you've been to Cards games that in the Stadium, haven't that, you? That is uh, a fact. And although not a Cubs fan, uh, certainly an appreciator of great ballparks, and Wrigley Field is 
right there. You don't at hold the, top. the grudge that many Cards fans hold against the Cubs because of the amount of time you spent in Chicago and on the North Side and in Wrigley Field. I I didn't hold back that I was a Cardinals fan while in Chicago. Yeah, and uh, I wasn't alone in my allegiance in that town. So that was helpful, and it was playful. I'll bet. To, to, yeah. to, to kind of, you know. It's nice to have fans in opposing jerseys, given that both parties are of the right sort of mindset and mentality, right? Like, you can you can enjoy it, and right. they can throw you a little, you know, a little smack talk, and you can kind of throw it back, and you can chuckle, and it can be fun. Absolutely. And leading up to about 2015, the advantage was... Yeah. Was all mine. Squarely in St. Louis's court. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. no doubt. But so I there's a couple different things I want to talk with you about, but going back to the to the long gone summer that that we watched and what you remember, you went you saw Cubs Cardinals in Wrigley Field that summer, right? I, I did not actually. I did not. I, I saw Sammy. You saw Sammy Sosa I, I saw hit. Sammy okay. many times. I saw him hit home runs that year. But I did not see a Cardinals-Cubs matchup that particular year for various reasons. Tickets were hard to come by. Mm. Uh, early when I was in Chicago, I actually had a guy. So the first time I ever went to Wrigley Field, I rode my bike. Okay? It's 1993, summer of 1993. I lived in a section of town called Ravenswood. And the station where I worked had season tickets, four of them, about a section and a half hop uh, directly from third base. So nice seats, four of them. I made a request. I got a ticket for a day game. And so I was going to ride my bike. And I did. And I left early because I didn't know what that commute was going to be like. Got there way early, and uh, I, I don't remember much detail about the game, but I I can almost feel it now, the excitement of riding your bike up to Wrigley Field for the first time, and locking my bike up to a, a lamppost, and going inside, and getting there so early that there was maybe a few hundred people, and just to step inside that ballpark, you've been... I have been to, but not in Wrigley Field. Oh my gosh, Coulter! Never been to Chicago. Yeah. Well, it's 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 uh, the hollow grounds of uh, that particular city and uh, of baseball as uh, uh, one of the old time ballparks that's that's still chugging along. The thing- so spectacular. The thing that struck me about Wrigley Field when I when I and I've been to the park a couple of times, but me, most ballparks are giant diamonds on the ring of the city. And I mean yeah. that. I don't mean diamond baseball diamond. They are yeah. these beautiful, big, and showy pieces. A destination spot f- that people that you can see from a long ways away. Yeah, it took me. A, a, a while to find Wrigley. I was looking for it, could not see it, couldn't find it. You're driving around. You, you, it's not obvious at all where it is until you come around the corner, and by God, there it is. And even then, it it looks like it is 1910 again. I mean, you, yeah. it doesn't. It's not huge at all. You can't even imagine how there's an actual professional baseball 
stadium field, all that inside of this place. It's in a neighborhood. That's right. Clark and Addison, Waveland and Clark, that is, uh, those are the... The uh, coordinates to get you there, and you're you're right. It has that neighborhood feel. You have uh, the Cubby Bear Bar, which is across the corner. Bernie's is there, where they have awesome brats. Gotta have. Oh, uh, you got the Ginger Man. You got Metro. You know, it's just a, a vibrant part of the North Side. So I've been to several of the stadiums on the West Coast. That's it, though. I've been to Safeco Field. Yeah, I've uh, been to. Uh, where the you know, Giants play, where the Oakland A's play, where the Arizona Diamondbacks play, all great stadiums. But it seems like there's such a distinct nostalgia attached to the stadiums in the Midwest, and it seems like the fervor for baseball is much greater than it is in the West. Why? Probably just history. Just history, right? There, there was no baseball I mean, east. yeah, the Mariners have only existed for 40 me, years, There was right? no baseball west right. uh, for into the 50s. I think, right? the, I I think mean, the Dodgers moved to L.A. in 60, 61, yeah. Until Brooklyn packed up and moved to, to and became the, the Los Angeles Dodgers. So I think that's there. As for Wrigley, the Ivy... On the outfield wall is just one of the most curious things you'll ever see in a stadium because it's the only place it exists. Right. And when you see a ball get stuck in it, you're like, well, what's the rule for that? <laughs> right. And when you see it happen, then you realize what the rule is. And it's like, hands up, and it's a double, and that's that's the call. When Take us back to 1998, though, living in the city of Chicago – the Cubs not expected coming into the season to be a great team. Yeah, Kerry Wood was yeah. the, the phenom, and he was the big story as we you know rewatched the, the the documentary. But as this thing gets going, and really it was a three horse race with Ken Griffey Jr. in there as yeah. well, and then Sosa and McGuire kind of separated themselves. But what was it like in the city? And in baseball in general, for you, a major baseball fan, and you are now in the epicenter of all this in the Chicago-St. Louis rivalry and these two guys doing what they're doing for baseball. Well, it was must-see TV, mm-hmm. for one. Once you got to early June, you could just see it was developing, and these guys were moving out front, and Griffey was still part of the picture then. Leading into that season, though, um, you had the Bulls run. Right. So the Bulls, and I, I lived there for four of the six 90s Bulls championships, so the town was still buzzing from the sixth of that run. And and the Cubs, yeah, you're you're right. There was nothing really predicted for their season. Kerry Wood was talked about, and it, it was you know a few starts for him before you were a believer as to his talents. But he delivered on that early, and then you had these two guys that it was just it was scoreboard watching. It was a, a back and forth. And then Griffey fell off the pace a little bit, and it was, it was like you could not, as a, as a Cardinals fan or as a Cubs fan, dreamed of a, a better scenario to kick baseball back in in such a huge way that tickets were on demand. Right, anywhere they were going, all of a sudden baseball got what it needed. That lift, which, you know, following the strike a few years earlier, took a big hit. And that they touch on that certainly in this uh, 
in the long gone summer. But it, it was vibrant. It was fun. Everybody wanted to be a part of it, even if you weren't uh, a baseball fan. You know, it was happening. Gus, the first meal I had outside my own home following the quarantine was at your house. Brought over a bunch of meat. I brought over my Alpine Touch, but I didn't bring it home. I forgot it at your place. Our first meal was made better, as every meal is made better, by Alpine Touch on basically everything. I put Alpine Touch hickory smoke on my cereal in the morning. <laughs> it's it's reached that level of usage. And the fact that you left it, I knew that you left it at my house. You brought it over, left it at my house. And like a real jerk, I said nothing to you because I was like, well, that's mine, dude. That's it. You came to my house. You left it in my house. And I'm eating all of it. We've gotten so far into this Alpine Touch obsession, I think, that I actually think we might be able to host a podcast about all the things that you can make with Alpine Touch. It would be short, everything. (laughs) They have a bunch of different varieties of spices, as we know. Uh, They are local from the state of Montana, Shoto Shout Out Original Alpine Touch, and it's great when it's not just local, when it's not just supporting the state of Montana, but when it's also actually the best thing that you can get. I mean, when it comes to spices, uh, it's second to none. So, boys and girls, use your Alpine Touch. Colter, tell them where they can get it. AlpineTouch.com, no matter where you're at in the entire world listening to this, if you are in the United States of America and you make an order of over $50, which, you know, if you get yourself the Grand Slam and maybe some barbecue sauce some sunflower seeds, you're there. Free shipping anywhere in the United States of America right now. Uh, so go to alpinetouch.com. They're rolling out all their summer Big Mountain flavor packages. The sunflower shoots are really, really good as well. Alpine Touch has got you covered. Alpine Touch, Montana's special spice. When I started working here about three summers ago, I had completely drifted away from baseball. But I realized right away, Robert's office used to be right next to our office, and this was before Robert was doing the mornings, so we'd have a little debriefing every day right around you know lunchtime. Did you watch the Cardinals? What, what are you, what's going on with the Indians? What's going on with the Cubs? And we, we started talking about it, so I started following a little bit more. But I've been thinking about this so often. We've talked about this on the show a lot, Ryan and I have, about why have I gravitated away from baseball so much? I think so many people have gravitated away because of attention span. They just can't handle it. And the what have you done for me lately, instantaneous yeah. gratif- instant gratification, oh, you know, just the Twitter, everything. A lot of people are just like, well, baseball is boring. And I kept thinking to myself, I don't think baseball is boring. I think baseball is awesome. Why don't I like baseball anymore? And I kept just going back to this time and watching Long Gone Summer, the – the fervor, like you're talking about, is just, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Th- these guys were, they. I mean, Mark McGuire is Paul Bunyan, right? And Sammy Sosa, you know, he, he, he himself is some sort of Greek god. And these guys, they were larger than life. They were rock stars. That initial scene in, in Long Gone Summer when Mark McGuire hits the Grand Slam in the fifth inning and Bush Stadium just erupts. I can't think of a baseball game that I've watched that wasn't a playoff game where there was a crowd like that. Yeah, and that, but the that was that was, and that was, and that was the first game. <laughs> but that was every game all the time. You watch yeah. these guys all the time, and it was it was like totally different in the magnitude of their stardom. And I just wonder what happened because you can say partially it's been the steroids, and that turns some people off. Yeah. Partially it is the instant gratification, but for whatever reason, I just. There's just not the star power there once was. Mike Trout is unbelievable. Yeah. He's not selling out every single stadium, every single place he goes, and having these gigantic crowds that are just in a frenzy to see him. True. And I just don't know what happened. 
I mean, do, I don't think any of us do. I, I, you know, when when McGuire joined the Cardinals in '97, I bought into the storyline that he was there just being couched mm-hmm. by Larusa and mm-hmm. Dave McKay and uh, Dave Duncan, that coaching staff that was in Oakland during those years, and that he wasn't going to be around for the following season. And he, he didn't do much, and you thought he was going to go away. Um, so when it kicked in in, in 98, I, I, I just think that it was, it, it was just something that, that developed on its own but you had a guy who was reinvigorated yeah. in Mark McGuire. Totally. And then you had a guy who his time just happened to coincide with this in Sammy Sosa. And uh, it, it, was, it, it just was a magical time that followed through the entire season. It wasn't something that, are these guys going to be able to maintain it? Mm-hmm. It just, there was barely a drop off ever. Right. Robert Chase joining us on the ESPN Roundtable, program director from our favorite music station in this town, the Trail 1033, and also ardent Cardinal fan slash baseball fan. One thing, though, too, Coulter, that strikes me is it's not that the popularity of baseball has fallen off. It's that 1998 was a spike that was an aberrant. You know, relationship because of this. There's a yeah, lot, but, of, but there, there's no, there's nowhere near the fervor for guys like there used to be. I mean, I don't know. The, 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 it, baseball players are no longer heroes, and I think that's the thing that's dissipated so much. And I think it's so much because of skepticism. I think. Well, oh, go ahead. I, I was going to say, in certain town in St. Louis, I, it is true that St. Louis. When you go to a ball game in St. Louis. It, you, there's a camaraderie in the stands, certainly, because there's an understanding of the history that's transpired mm-hmm. in the three stadium, four mm-hmm. stadiums mm-hmm. that have been there now. And Pujols had that. Albert Pujols and, had that her, and, heroism for a moment, and he very much did for a decade. Yeah, right. Uh, as he followed McGuire to to become the next first baseman, right. And he delivered, and he was such a personality. He was so involved off the field mm-hmm. in philanthropic. Uh, dealings that he was just incredibly popular and also you know just did incredibly exciting things on the field became uh, a good first baseman uh, a fielding first baseman on top of uh, the the production that he developed at the plate but uh, I, I you know the style of baseball that occurred and as has been delivered in some stadiums, in particular uh, Cardinals baseball, where small ball was a thing. Move the guy over, get a single, move him over, get him in. That was that was the saying. Yeah. When I was growing up in the seventies and eighties, and that that w- that came back uh, big time in the eighties, went away for a little while in the nineties. Tony Larusa brought it back a little bit. We had a lot of speedsters. You know, Ray Langford was my favorite Ray Cardinal. Langford, yep. In the 90s, in that he was a 30-30 guy. Yeah, yeah. He could hit 30 home runs, and yep. he could also steal 30 bases. Yeah, a lot of guys could run. Brian Jordan? It Speed was always a part of the team to some degree, and that was exciting to watch because he didn't know what was going to happen, and that's what flustered the defense, the other team, was to have that, that angle that you didn't see in, in all the all the teams. So for, I think in, in some instances, some ballparks... Uh, 
um, uh, our guy from here. Paul Goldschmidt. Paul Goldschmidt, yep. yeah. Uh, he is achieving some of that status in sure. St. Louis now. And again, he's, he's a, a gentle guy off the field, soft-spoken. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and, and hopefully, well, not this year, maybe next year, he can kick it up a notch. But he's much beloved. And, and the fans in a town like St. Louis, they give a guy a shot. And that was part of this film, this ESPN show, Long Gone Summer, that they, they brought out that Mark McGuire in 97 was in a slump. Right. But he got standing ovations in the park, and he did not understand why it was happening. And it was just folks trying to lift him up, being supportive. Give him a shot. Mm-hmm. We're not going to kick you to the curb. Mm-hmm. Prove it to us, and we're behind you. I also think too, though, I agree with you, Coulter, on the like the heroism that right. doesn't exist that once did nationally. But if I may say, the regionalization of sure. baseball, there's still heroes. Oh no, no question. But and and these epic figures, but they are sort of, but not as larger than life as guys used to. Be. No, they they still are larger than life, but they're larger in life to a kid in Seattle who's a Mariner, to a kid in Chicago who's a Cub or a White Sox, et cetera, et cetera. There are not these epic figures like you had once upon a time. And if I may say, you are now a man. Like yeah. it's, it's different now for you as an adult to sit here and have this same amazement at you can have amazement at the skill of these guys, but it doesn't occupy the the epic level of of you're amazement not, that it wants. You're not did. dreaming of being a, a big time. Oh, I still am. Oh, show. I still am. I was I was trying to lobby yesterday to get to Nick Davis's little sandlot game. I was going to shave my face, <laughs> pretend I was 16, so I can go take some BP. A walk on. I think part of it though too is the ba- baseball. They say that at the very beginning of Long Gone Summer, they say in baseball records are everything. They're everything. No one off the top of their head could tell you what's the all-time record in an NBA single season for three-pointers made. No one can tell you who has the most, the highest free-throw percentage ever in an NBA game. You might be able to tell me who threw and caught the most touchdowns. It's very unlikely you're going to be able to tell me like who had the second-most receptions all-time. You know all the records in baseball, or at least most people do know all the records in baseball. 130 stolen bases in a season, Ricky Henderson. You know, 61 home runs in a season, Roger Maris. Last guy to hit 400, Ted Williams. You know on down the line who has the records, and I think it's twofold. On one hand, because of the way that baseball has been scouted, because of the influence of analytics on the game, because there's so many really diverse athletes, and for and because of what teams want in everyday players at literally every position, the guy who's the special... I mean, Mark McGuire, I don't think, ever hit more than 260 in his entire career. But no one cared. No one wanted Mark McGuire to ever hit you know, a two-strike pitch the other way for a single. Swing as hard as you can, hit a home run, that's all we want you to do. Yeah. There, but there's not... And the, Ricky, Ricky Henderson, all Ricky Henderson was trying to do was walk, because that's a double. That's what he was trying to do. Walk, because that's a double, period. Now, guys, you know, there's 30 for 30 guys and stuff like that, but there's no, there's no threat. I mean, to, to me, there's no guy in baseball where I'm looking at him saying... Oh, that guy's chasing 70 this year. That was a real narrative in the 90s. And then baseball could use that as a promotional tool. I remember coming into that season, and they also say that in this this documentary, where there was this dormant era, right? Roger Maris hit 61 home runs, and then no one, I think George Sisler did it in like 1978, hit 52 home runs. 
that was the only, that was the only 50 home run season between Maris and then Cecil Fielder hitting 50 in 1990. I think at that point, only eight guys had ever hit 50 home runs in a season. Well, then Ken Griffey Jr. hits 50 when he's you know in his early 20s. Then McGuire hits 52, and then he hits 58. So now coming into this year, we say, okay, we have multiple guys that have hit 50-plus home runs. And so they started hyping it. And it was almost like a, a championship bout, right? It became must-see TV because you were compelled to watch. I think that brings so many people in when you know you could break this record that stood for almost 50 years and right now, I just don't see that. Like, you know Mike Trout might go three for five, but there's I have no illusion that Mike Trout will break any single-season record. That, that's exactly the point, though, and that's why 1998 was the aberration because you had that possibility and that promotion, and right. then it happened. But that's what gets people to watch baseball every day. Like, I remember when Ichiro Suzuki was chasing the all-time, the single-season hits mark. Yeah. I want to tune in every day because then it's like the record. It, it, right. It's the record, the record, the record. But even each row is even more compelling in certain elements because you know McGuire might hit a home run, but he also might not. Whereas I mean, each row, he had two hundred sixty-seven hits. He was going to get a hit. How many hits was he going to get? <laughs> right. Yeah. There might be a, an aspect of just in the availability of information that developed. You know, a dilution that, that took place when I was growing up, even, you know, leading up to the, the, the dawn of the Internet in the mid-90s. If you lived outside the town of your baseball team, you didn't have much access to information. My, I moved to Colorado in 1983. If I had saved up to this day all the newspaper clippings, that my mom sent me. Right. I'd have a suitcase full. She sent see she sent you the box score and like the story yeah. in the mail yeah. daily. Because I, I just I I had a, a, a glimmer of understanding as to what was taking place. But until I had those clippings, I was I was at a loss. Yeah. So I you know, maybe just the, the fact that you can get every detail about every team in an instant now. It, it's it's less focused on a player or a team, perhaps, if you're not localized and attached to a specific team. There you go. Robert Chase, the subject of our ESPN roundtable, if that feels sort of like a truncated ending. Well, it's because it is. Part two will be coming to you tomorrow, and we will do uh, that probably at the top of the hour so we have a lot going on tomorrow as it turns out so we will we have whitney morrison coming in who is our uh, senior spotlight student uh, tomorrow so we're excited about that standing from missoula big sky have a couple of other uh, uh interviews going on but we will we'll figure out how to work that in because it was long and it gets into uh some really fun territory tomorrow talking about uh, Jeff Tweedy and Wilco and uh, some of the connections from his music. He was, again, the uh, credited with the music of the 30 for 30 Long Gone Summer, which Robert has connection to. But our thanks to Robert Chase for joining us on the ESPN Roundtable. What a great storyteller. Tons of fun to have him. You know, he should be in a long-form setting like what we have here, Coulter. You no know, doubt. It's compacted on the trail over there. we got to get him some space to to walk around a little bit in. Uh, but thanks to him uh, for doing that with us. The ESPN Roundtable, it is presented by our friends at Paradise Falls, Culture 3621 Brook Street, near the corner of Brooks and Reserve. Now, 
ton of options on the south end of town. Uh, if you're headed out of town going to the Bitterroot, great place to stop. If you're headed into town coming from the Bitterroot, great place to stop. And uh, how about breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Get all three, morning, noon, and night at Paradise Falls. A family restaurant with both breakfast and two happy hours and a casino. Probably not going to find that anywhere else. Must be Paradise. No matter what you're in the mood for, Paradise Falls has what you want. Open 7 a.m. to midnight. Paradise Falls offers breakfast, lunch, dinner while also serving half-price appetizers during their late happy hour from 9 to 11 p.m. Sunday through Thursday. The casinos open. The machines are hot. And Paradise Falls still has a standard happy hour from 3 to 6 Monday through Friday as well. Like Gus said, located 3621 Brook Street in Missoula, Paradise Falls, Missoula's coolest hotspot. Give us a call. We'll do a wing it Wednesday, 361-3688. Uh, NFL coaches. That is the subject for this Wing It Wednesday. You want to get some wings to the Desperado Sports Tavern, the best wings in the city? Give us a call right now, 406-361-3688-361-3688. At Blackfoot Communications, we're experts at keeping your business technology up and running. From networks and security to communications and 24-7 support, we evaluate your current state infrastructure and deploy the right technology solution for your future. Whether your company is just starting out or is looking to take the next step, Blackfoot is here to help. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash business to learn more. ESPN Radio. Great to be with you on this Wednesday afternoon. If you uh, would like to listen live and you aren't by your radio or your television or you just get home, you got a nice short commute. That's one of the great things about living in Montana, isn't it? Uh, check it out on the uh, stream, 1029ESPN.com. You can listen live all the time, 24 hours a day to the station, and you can listen to the show in the afternoons on the weekdays. As you would like to, the stream is available all the time thanks to Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. It is time now for our. What are you laughing well, at? I just got to fall. I got to. I'll tell you the Bill Kohler story after we go. Okay. Today. Okay. He, he, he really wrestled a bear for fifty dollars in downtown Cincinnati when he was a, a rookie for the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, that's like that's like eighty-eight dollars in our money. Uh, <laughs> let's go to the phones and we welcome in Tom to the show. Tom, how are you? Good. How are you guys? Doing great, Tom. Uh, we got some wings for you from the Desperado Sports Tavern. All you got to do is answer a couple of questions. This on NFL coaches, okay? That's the theme that we got here. Do you like the NFL, Tom? Uh, yeah, I love the NFL. Okay. Okay. That's good. It's a good place to start then. So uh, here's the deal. I'm going to ask you three questions. If you get two of them right, you got yourself a basket of wings to the Desperado. You get all three, you're going to get a shirt. If you need any help, Coulter will be your lifeline. That sound all right? Sounds good. Boy, some chicken wings would really hit the spot. Tell me likey. Tell me want wingy. All right, here we go. Now, I, I'm trying to judge level of difficulty on this stuff. I'm not sure which is the right way to go here, so let's just play uh, a little bit. Here it is. Question number one for you. All right. Cliff Kingsbury is the head coach of what NFL football team? 
Oh, that'd be Arizona Cardinals. The Arizona Cardinals. Very good. Okay, so I thought if I picked, you know, I'm not going to give you the Bill Belichick's and the Pete Carroll's of the world. You know what I mean? That's too easy. Yeah. So I thought I would go the other way, but then I thought, well, you know, maybe I should give the names. But the names of the coaches are the harder part. The teams they have are the easier part. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to switch it up. Who is the head coach, Tom, of the Indianapolis Colts? Oh, that's Frank Wright. Tom, you're not even taking enough time to look it up on your phone. We appreciate that. You know what I mean? We like it when people come in here. Bucky just cheating his behind off earlier in the show. You are doing a great job. That's two for two. You got yourself a uh, basket of wings to the Desperado. Okay, third and final question for you, Tom. Here we go. Who is the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers? Oh, uh, Lynn's his last name. I'm not sure what his first name is, Lynn. His first name can be Coach. Can you do that? Okay. Coach, Coach Lynn. Lynn. It is Coach Lynn. It is Coach. Tell What is it, Coulter? Anthony Lynn. Anthony Lynn is the man's Anthony name. Lynn. And uh, you, Tom, have gone three for three. You did it very quickly. I'm impressed with you. That's, that is the most efficient wings and shirt get probably in the history of this show. So very, very well done. Give your information to Reese there in the back, and we'll get you set up with all of that. All right, my man? Sounds, sounds good. Thanks, man. You got it. Great job. Tom was all over it. Bam. All over it. You know, it's funny, man. Like the, I, I think my guess is there's so many more people that could tell you like, if they heard the coach name, they could apply the team to it. But mm-hmm. if you hear the mm-hmm. team name, getting the coach is not a two-way street. Right. There's asymmetry right. at right. work there. Right, right, right. And that's pretty that's pretty. I don't think that Anthony Lynn is the least known coach. Because he's been the head coach now of the Chargers like four years, four or five years, since they moved to Los Angeles. Well, and he's also so recognizable because he's huge. Well, he's, you know, he's a... And he is so intimidating in his... I mean, the way his press conferences are But games, who... Okay, the Dolphins head coach, what is it, Brian uh, Flores? Flores, uh, he's he's probably you know he's a first time head coach going into his second year, uh, you know, kind of buried there in Miami. Who's the Jacksonville head coach right now? Doug Marone. Oh, that's right, Doug yeah. Marone is okay. So, you know, maybe I'd, I'd say the two most random coaches in the league are probably Joe Judge, four. Uh, New York, the right? New York Giants. The Giants, yeah. And Kevin Suspansky for the for the Browns, Cleveland Browns. Uh, Cannot believe that he is the, a head coach. Well, believe it. Whole new head coach, whole new GM. What's I just don't. It's new, just so old, crazy. Again. I know it's just so crazy. Like how not good at your previous jobs you can be and be a head coach. But here's the thing. You know, here's what's bizarre. Brian Schottenheimer. Sure, he's an offensive coordinator for the Seattle's for the Seahawks. Yeah, he's fine. He's been an offensive coordinator at two or three places before, and they've always been bad at offense. Right. A lot of it's personnel and fit and everything, too. Exactly. And that's the thing where, you know, Kevin Stefanski, do I hold out a ton of hope? No. Why? Because it's Cleveland, but not because it's Kevin Stefanski. Joe Judge. Yeah, he just was never. He was like Sapansky was just never really that innovative in Minnesota. Like, oh, you you throw the ball to Adam Thielen and hand it to Talbot Cook. I don't know. They just. They had great players. Well, what, they I mean, be better. what what would you what would your insight be? I would hand I would, to Dalvin Cook. Well, no, too. no, no. I'm just saying like they just should be a lot better in in Minnesota than I they have you. been. Uh, what did you want to tell me about Kohler? Uh, was that it? Just he wrestled a bear. I mean, this is a great story. So Bill Kohler is one of. Do you want to save it for the next segment? Let's hit it. 
We'll take a quick break. We'll the come time back. Bill Kohler wrestled a bear. Bill Kohler wrestled a bear for 50 bucks in Cincinnati. Uh, I would have held out for more. Uh, boys and girls, here's a job nobody wants to do. Scoop the poop. Am I right about that? That is the one that you're all like, uh, one, two, three, not it. Well, you can all be not it. It's okay because Montana pooper scoopers will come in and take care of the job for you. Doesn't matter if you are a, just a family or a business. They can do both. Doesn't matter if you got 100 dogs or one. They can do it all. Doesn't matter if you need it regularly done or just once because you were on vacation or whatever happened. Now you got maybe your neighbor's dog came to pay a visit. I don't know what reason. All I know is you go to MontanaPooperScoopers.com. Okay, they service Missoula and Lolo, and they will take care of the job that no one else wants to do. Schedule right now, MontanaPooperScoopers.com. Again, one time or weekly dog pick waste removal. They'll do it for you. If you mention this ad, you're going to get 25 bucks off your initial service. Great deal online. Don't do this yourself. You don't want to. You don't need to. MontanaPooperScoopers.com. Coulter, during this time where we got to be a little bit socially distanced, it's nice to know we can get out on the links and play a little bit of golf. And nobody better than Western Birch to get your round started right. That's right. Golf's been definitely one of my favorite pastimes during quarantine times. And it's recently landed my new Western Birch customized golf tees. Go check out Western Birch golf tees at westernbirch.com. These classy golf tees are made of 100% white birch hardwood and printed with high quality color right here in the United States. A company founded right here in Montana. These durable wood golf tees, perfect way for you to market your business. Just think, anytime you break a tee, your brand is sitting on the tee box forever. You can hand them out to your clients, your buddies, your golf partners, whoever. Great way to earn top of mind awareness while also playing a sport we all love. Again, you can check out all the cool designs online at westernbirch.com. Add your logo on a thousand of any of their tees for $150 delivered to your door. Give them to clients, friends, watch them get impressed by the quality of the look of a simple golf tee and by your creativity. Give Western Birch the opportunity to show you what they're talking about. Email and ask for Chad at info at westernbirch.com, info at westernbirch.com, or follow on Instagram and Facebook, westernbirch.com. Listeners want, want, want. Tommy, once upon a time, Coulter made Get out. like hip-hop soundtracks with that's just sound from this show. And that's what you're hearing. I don't know why I sound like I'm being drug over a cattle guard, but that's what it is. It's two telling new one is 1029 ESPN Radio. SWX Montana Television. Reese is very happy with himself. Hey, if you missed anything in the show, check it out on the podcast, the two telling new one podcast, available wherever you get your podcast. It's available all the time. That's the beauty of a podcast. And it is there thanks to Blackfoot and Alpine Touch. Bill Kohler, he is on the College Football Hall of Fame. He absolutely has to get in. List. He's on the list. We'll see if he gets inducted. But for crying out loud, the man wrestled a bear. Here's my thing. And I'm always always going to bat for the linemen. But I know that Bill Kohler is well-remembered. I mean, his number is retired at Montana State. Number 77 is right up there next to Sonny Holland's number. I mean, there's only four numbers that are retired at Montana State. Bill Kohler's is one of them. So he's, he's remembered. But I just don't know if he's remembered at the level he should be remembered at. Mm. I mean, when people say who are the greatest players in Big Sky Conference history, they automatically reel off Dave Dickinson, Cooper Cup, you know, maybe John Freeze, Doug Nussmeyer, a lot of the offensive guys. It's been an offensive league for a long time. 
Bill Kohler was a freaking first round draft pick out of the Big Sky Conference. <laughs> I mean, consider this as a defensive lineman. But one of the funny stories, I've talked to Coach Kohler a lot, and I call him Coach Kohler now because, you know, even though he played eight years in the NFL, he was mostly injury riddled because he had a bad knee injury his first year in the league and he never could really get over it. But he still lasted eight years in the league, probably didn't fulfill his potential, but still was an awesome player. I mean, he started for eight years in the NFL. It's hard to bemoan a guy for that, but he's made his career as. A, de- a defensive line coach. He's one of the great defensive line coaches in the world. He's yeah. coached, I mean, coach J.J. Watt to three NFL Defensive Players of the Year. Coach Von Miller uh, to, uh, does Von Miller have one or two? Uh, Regardless, one. He's, got, he's got a Super Bowl MVP too. I mean, Kohler, is, he's he's a guru. He, he knows exactly what he's doing. He's awesome. But one of the funniest stories he's ever told me, I'm just going to read this from a story I wrote for the Mountains and Mines magazine, which is the Montana okay. State publication. I'll just read the quote. He said, Kohler, uh, when he was first playing for the Cincinnati Bengals, said uh, he was one of the PR people signed him up for a uh, promotional event in which he had the opportunity to earn $50 to take a picture with a seven-foot touring bear. Kohler uh, said, okay, that sounds pretty good. I go downtown Cincinnati. There's probably about 100 people there. I walk in and say, what's going on, fellas? They say, well, we hear somebody's going to wrestle a bear. He says, <laughs> what? They said, somebody's going to wrestle that bear. And I said, I wonder who the hell is going to end up doing that. <laughs> Turns out it's Bill Kohler, and he wrestles the bear in downtown Cincinnati. As urban legend goes, there's no video proof of this, but as the story goes, Bill Kohler not only wrestled the bear, but pinned the bear. If you see the guy now, I mean, the guy is now in his 70s, and he he still, his listed weight was 6'5", 278 pounds. He still looks exactly that. He was a freak. He was one of the first guys to implement a weightlifting into his repertoire, and the stories from guys that played in the Big Sky Conference, namely Mike Kramer, who had to go against Bill Kohler multiple times, are legendary. And I just hope that people remember Bill Kohler. He definitely deserves to be in the College Football Hall of Fame. Put him in! Burn! That was your Burn Street Bistro Burn of the Week. It's kind of a burn. It's like a burn towards something instead of a burn away from something, thanks to uh, Burn Street for that. we got to get this man. I mean, what a... Three years in a row, get a Big Sky Conference, you know, uh, first team all league, yeah, player into a into. Oh a right, oh for the college football, hurt. yeah. I mean, it would be Dave Dickinson, Dennis Erickson, and Bill Kohler three in a row. Dave Dickinson was, I think, the first guy with Montana ties. Uh, ninety nine guys at the position, though. No, ninety nine total on the. Uh, list. Well, I think the position means the, the small school guys on the. Oh, okay, okay, I got you, uh, boys and girls. It was a fun Wednesday. We'll be back with you tomorrow. We'll have fun again on Thursday. See you then, ESPN Radio. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.